Welcome to the Ben Don't Break podcast. I am Aaron Schweitzer, publisher of The Source and co-host of this podcast. I'm joined by Nicole Vulcan, our editor. We are powered by The Source Weekly, Ben's locally owned newspaper. With the mask mandates ending and our community moving to a new, new normal, we are glad that you're taking some of your time to listen to us rap with some of the people who are shaping our local community. Today, we're speaking with Jack Zika. Zika is currently the outgoing representative for House District 53. He has served on the Redmond Planning Commission, Redmond Neighborhood Revitalization Committee, US 97 South Redmond Corridor Advisory Committee, that's a mouthful, as Vice President of Central Oregon Association of Realtors, State Director, Government Affairs Key Committee, and Strategic Planning Committee for the Oregon Association of Realtors. Quite a bit, Mr. Zika. Uh, Jack and his wife, Xanthal, have two children, Lucas and Maddox. Daily reminders for Jack of the need to bring Central Oregon values to the state legislature. Uh, Jack loves to volunteer in his community and is connected with numerous organizations such as Boys and Girls Club, Red Cross, and Habitat for Humanity. Jack, thank you for joining us today. Hey, appreciate you having me here today. So you touched on a bunch of those committees, and my, my wife... Um, she counted them at one time. It was 14 committees that I was on at one time. And so I promised her that I would I would stay away for the next two years and not not volunteer on any of these committees. So. Uh, so with your time coming to a close as a house rep, how did you know it was time for a change? Oh, well, um, it's, it's it was more of a family thing. It was um, you know, I've been taking care of my uncle who's been had who's had a stroke who's had a lot of heart issues and so I've been going back and forth across the country and then my daughter came to me one day and she said uh, she's seven years old and she said daddy I, you're never home anymore and so that one really affected me and you know yeah. when you're in Salem for the long session you're there for six months you know coming back for the weekends and then the short session is 45 days so it's tough being away and they have their own schedule when they're here and I'm away and I come back and it's really, it's hard to settle back in. And then once you're back, it takes about a week or two to, to get adjusted and have daddy home. And I just, I don't want to miss that. You know, I, I'm that they still think dad's cool. So I gotta, I gotta take advantage <laughs> of that. And I can't, uh, I can't waste that away. My son's yeah. 11 and he's already at the point where he's like, bye dad, you know, when I'm leaving. So I was like, Oh gosh, yeah. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta enjoy this while I can. Yeah, my boys are in their 20s. I can tell you it doesn't last very long. It's it's over before you know it. So uh, so as you look back at your time in Oregon, um, what, what do you feel like your biggest accomplishment is? I mean, what do you what do you most value from from being there? Well, we have a, quite a few um, really good accomplishments, I, you know, when we're knocking on doors and campaigns, you try to find out whatever what's important to everybody. And housing was really important the first go around. And um, even though we didn't knock on too many doors because of the pandemic, the second time, um, childcare and childcare. I remember, you know, childcare when I was, um, you know, like I just talked about my kids. So we're trying to figure out how much that was going to be. It was going to be twelve hundred per kid. So um, we we established the Department of Early Learning and Care, which will take all of our programs because in Oregon we have a lot of programs. Head Start. Uh, baby Promise, Preschool Promise, um, employment-related daycare, a lot of these programs, but they're in different departments. And so we were really doing the consolidation to try to bring them under one house so providers and parents would have one stop to see if we could qualify. While inside of that, also auditing and, and seeing what 
the employment-related daycare benefit would do if we increased it. How's that sliding scale work? If you get a raise, you know, do you drop off that? So we we passed the bill to session two to take a hard look at that. So I'm really looking forward to see what they come up with. I think Department of Human Services is actually going to take care of that, but it's going to be transferred into the Department of Early Learning Care. So it was a really huge investment for uh, our kids in Oregon. So that one probably stands out as probably my one of my better okay. accomplishments. That was with Representative Power and I. We did that. That's awesome. You touched on housing. Um, obviously, anyone who's been in Central Oregon at any point knows what a painful situation we're in. Um, so what were some of the missed opportunities that um, that you saw? And also, you know, let's touch on the successes that you saw as well. So it's interesting because every time I go in Salem, I always talk on the floor when we're talking about housing. I said, you know, in bed, you can't find a house when I started. It was you can't find a house for under four hundred thousand, and then it was like five hundred, and then six hundred, and I feel like now it's going to be seven hundred. So I kept kept trying to tell everybody in Salem how important it is to, for us to try to figure this housing um, thing out. You know, with, is it the urban growth boundary? Is it the supplies? Is it uh, you know the contractors, subcontractors? What do we need to do? And it you know I think it's a little bit of all of it. Uh, you know, we of course we were able to bring some affordable housing to Central Oregon through legislation. Um, with the pilot projects in Bend and in, in Redmond, but that, that's, a, that's a drop in the bucket for what we need. Um, we go through the UGB process, which is the urban growth boundary, and that took Bend 10 years and over a million dollars to do. So that, that's a missed opportunity right there is trying to figure out that process and making that easier. And you're able to add more land to the city to, um, you know, if reduce the cost, it's, it's that um, supply and demand thing when it comes to land. If you have land inside the UGB and it's costing you $400,000 a lot and outside the UGB would be the same price would be like more like 20,000. So how do we try to add that land and make that process even better? We did allocate a little bit of money. So one of my bills this session was uh, started out to allow urban area reserve, which is actually an area outside of the urban growth boundary that's been identified that will be um, developed in the future. And so that's more of like a 20 year look. But if you, the bill I have is that if you could do it for affordable housing and it butted up to already a developed area, similar to um, the part outside of the Northeast side of Ben right now, it's escaping my, my, my memory, but the, what it's called, but where Les Schwab is and all that. And, um, if you were to develop there, then maybe we could bring it in early and um, go through some processes, but make it so it would be reduced in cost so that the owner knows that they're selling the land at a reduced cost. So then the housing prices would be reduced as well. Anyway, that bill got watered down into a task force, but then eventually it just fell off and we did it a budget note to DLCD. And the purpose of that is to try to have um, DLCD go through that process and find out why is it taking so long for cities to expand the urban growth boundary. So it's a very convoluted answer. I'm sorry, but um, you know, it's it's that process is going. So there will be a work group this session, and I'm hoping to be a part of it. Um, the the chair of housing, uh, Representative Julie Fahey, she said that she wanted me me to be a part of that because I have been uh, in the building and very big advocate for trying to get affordable housing and trying to fix the program because it's the way it's built right now, it's broken and cities can't afford sprawl. We're not looking at sprawl for cities. I don't, nobody wants to ruin our natural resources. We're just trying to provide more housing and to do that in the most economical way is close to what the already established urban growth boundary. So that's all that my bill was trying to do 
adding the urban area reserve and now that we're trying to do that through this other process through the department of land conservation and development so jack i'm i'm curious after having spent some time working on this you know one of the things we always see when we're doing our endorsement interviews and campaign season runs around and i I don't imagine anything's going to change this time either as the candidates come in and they, you know, we're going to fix affordable housing this time around and I'm your affordable housing candidate and, um, and you know, your successes in this area were um, measurable, you know, made, made an impact, but I'm wondering, how, you know, you're outgoing now and you're not going to be campaign campaigning. Do, is this, is this an issue that you know, what's the, is, is it fixable? Is there a timeline for this? I mean, what, what should people or expect? Because, you know, as I look out at, you know, how desirable Bend is, and like you said, the rate of increase on these homes, um, I won't say it, it's despair that's setting in, but there is a little bit of this kind of head shaking where I think, you know, th this is a, a market that really government does not have a handle on. Right. Well, and, and, you know that you, you've said it right there. It's it's the free market when you're building houses can build less expensive than the government. So yes, we did put four hundred million dollars into a housing bucket for the government to you know with housing works and everything like that, which we we need we need that because if you have transitional right. housing, you have people that are about to be homeless. You want to make sure that we have that housing available, but at the same time, you can't solely depend on that. So going okay. in to Salem, I was very optimistic, I still am, you know, about uh, fixing housing. But when you get there, you run into the wall of the special interest groups. And that, that is, um, and it's a very rare to get um, thousand friends and the Farm Bureau on the same side opposing your bill, <laughs> but I've had it every year. So, <laughs> and, and, you know, so it was, that's it, very challenging when you have um, a bipartisan opposition against your housing bill but at this you know at the same time you're trying to let them know like hey we're not trying to come after that precious farmland over on your side but on our side if you look at the east side of bend you're not growing the same crops you're bare, you know it's sagebrush we're not even watering it you know you don't even have irrigation so uh it's very i would like to see more of a regional approach Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what the program that they're is designed to do for DLCD. It's called RENA. It's regional housing uh, analysis. So they um, they're looking at that to try to see if we can separate the state into different regions. So I think it's on the horizon, but I just don't know if it, the proper place was to put it in the Department of um, right. Land Conservation and Development because they came up with a paper just prior to us doing that, saying that yes, there is a problem. Um, yes, it's inequitable for um, all of our communities, the way the land system is built, but we don't know, we don't see a way to fix it, and we, or, or we think everything's working just fine. So telling a department to fix itself within is probably not the best yeah. option. We should have had somebody else do it. Interesting. So another big thing that happened during your time were zoning changes. Um, Oregon implemented um, getting away with single family zoning. Um, in an effort to try to get more types of housing built in those places where right now or before this, you could only build one house instead of a duplex or triplex. Um, were you on board with this? And do you think it'll have the desired effect of getting more housing up? Yep, that was House Bill 2001, uh, what, three years ago? And that was a, that bill was interesting now because that was the speaker 
uh, Kotex bill at the time. And she would, the way it was written, it did exactly what you said. It did away with single family residences. And I, I told her, she actually came to my office for this one. So as a newbie, I was like, pretty uh well i just did say nervous but also felt pretty good about it but she came into my office and said if you get rid of single family residences and that zoning completely you just doubled or tripled every house's price that's what's going to happen you know if you cut off the supply and say you're not going to build them anymore um uh, the prices will just skyrocket and so we talked a little bit and then so what we ended up doing is just that middle housing piece where you can put in a duplex triplex quad and Bend and Redmond were already there. They were, we, they were in the process. Bend had already done it. Redmond was going down that path anyway to do it. Mm-hmm. So it was really easy for me to say, yes, let's do this. And we'll take it statewide. So, uh, yeah, I was on board um, right after she did that. I think it was one of my amendments and when she she amended it again. And then, I, yeah, I was all, all about that bill. I, think, I, think that, I still think that's a good bill. I think we do need more types of housing. Have you seen you it's an effect yet about that bill um, in terms of, I mean, I can say anecdotally, I've seen more infill in my community, but just from, you know, a higher level, have you seen that, you know, really implemented? I mean, I, knowing that Ben just finished its code changes less than a year ago, I believe. No, I don't, I don't think we've seen any, the effects of that bill yet, but I think, I, I sure think we will. Um, Eugene is fighting against it. I think they've sued the state to say that they don't want to comply to that. Um, but other than that, uh, cities are, are, are moving forward with that process. I think we all see the benefit of having a duplex and knowing that that's cheaper than, you know, two parts rather than a house. So, uh, but it's like the ADU thing, you know, with the additional dwelling unit, when city of Bend did that, we thought, oh my gosh, there's going to be thousands of these. And we ended up seeing like 40, you know, so, <laughs> uh, it, it'll happen. It's just slow and everything. This is, it's a slow pace market when it comes to these fixes. Um, so you serve in House District 53, which, like many of the districts in Oregon, had its border changed following the updated census. Now more of uh, Bend proper is folded into the district. How do you see those boundary changes affecting the next person who may who be serving in there? And, and what does it mean for Redmond to have that closer relationship now with their constituents in Bend? Well, it's it's always been a you know a good mix between Redmond and Bend. It's just been the outskirts, you know, that donut was a weird mm-hmm. shape. So I thought that was, you know, it kind of looked gerrymandered. Honestly, it does, you know, because it's a donut, right? And what they right. should have done is the way it is now, or, or, but um, split just the top part of Bend off. My only problem with the way they did it is they cut Redmond in half. And Redmond's a thirty thousand person town. So why would you do that? Why wouldn't you just have sisters and then that little part of Ben that it once already or you know just had the, the west and east northeast side and you could have done it and what they did was they came into Bend a little bit further added sisters and then they just took the whole north side of Redmond out which doesn't make sense because in the district itself where it's crossed it's um you have you have John Tucks right there you have uh, Elton the Gregory's right there. So you have students in a different district than another. And then the new proposed police station in Redmond is going to be in a different district than the rest of the city. The hospital's in a different district. So now you have multiple representatives, multiple senators that will be um, advocating for Redmond, but are not necessarily going to have the same values. I don't know how you would say it, but you know they might be advocating for something different. And so it might get lost. Redmond might get lost mm-hmm. in the shuffle. So I was pretty adamant when we 
were um, debating on the House floor that I did not agree with the way they had cut Redmond up like that. Yeah, I mean, it would seem that there's a good chance that Redmond folks are going to be represented by someone from Bend, and I can imagine the feedback that's going to come from that. Yeah, you have Bend, you have that a little bit back and forth between Bend and Redmond, and the the top half is probably going to be represented by somebody in Prineville, uh, Vicky. She has that district, so. So it's a big difference. You have somebody from Bend and somebody from Prineville. They're two different uh, priority sets. So I, I think Redmond, it'll be, it, you know, I don't know. It'll be interesting. I wish it was pretty, like that. Pretty, pretty, safe, pretty safe to say that was, that was a political, pretty political it line was. draw. Yeah. It was, uh, yeah. Well, when the first lines came through, <clears throat> they had Redmond all the way up to um, Wasco County. And it was a really hard red district. And I was like, well, shoot, they must want me around for like 20 years or something. This is great. Right? <laughs> and then they came up to the lines and they redrew them. And I saw it's about 50-50 now. And, you know, which is a good district. I think all of them should be 50-50. But how do you do that in Portland and stuff like that? So I get what, you know, where they draw those lines. The biggest problem I think that everybody saw was the congressional district. And that one was taking yeah. like that part of a top part of Deschutes County with Ben's and then running it off. All the way up through San Juan Pass and up into Portland. It's it doesn't make sense. They shouldn't have done that. They should have cut it out a different way. I understand they want to take Deschutes County because they view it different than the rest of the state. But at the same time, we have water districts. We have St. Charles, who uh, serves almost the whole state. When they care fly people in from the eastern side of the state, they bring them into St. Charles. So now you have different congressmen or congresspeople that are advocating and have different priorities for Deschutes County. So you might get lost in the shuffle. Now Deschutes County has to, not only do we have to fight for our resources with Portland when it comes to the state issues, but now we have to fight at the federal level as well. So it'll be a little bit more of a challenge, I think, for Deschutes County when it comes to the congressional lines. Do you think, I mean, it is, it's such a strange thing considering how separated the eastern side of the Cascades has been from the valley and how much complaining, and, and rightly so, there has been about grant funding and, and just all kinds of funding flowing over. Will it help that at all? Because it, it makes it, it, without that, it seems like a uh, pretty, pretty, pretty weird district. Like, will it give us any, it, can there be, is that, can I view that like a little irrigation canal that might flow over this area? I mean, you might, you know, it depends. So when we're talking, are we talking con congressional lines here? Or are you talking about state grants? Because congressional, congressional. Yeah. So I guess then, then it really depends on who's in the majority. You know, so right now we have the yep. Democrats that are in the majority. So having Portland as part of your district would be beneficial because then you'll have right. probably have a Democrat coming out from Portland. Um, so that might be beneficial. Depends on what their priorities are. If it's Portland, if it's Tiger, yeah. if it's, you know, that whole area or if they, uh, Kurt Schrader, you know, is he going to be, I don't even know if he's going to run again, but um, if he's in Deschutes County, is he, how much of a priority is that for him? So I guess it really depends on the, the person itself. But then if you had like with Cliff Benz when, you know, and it was a Republican majority, we were seeing pretty, we saw, we saw a lot of projects coming. So it, it, yeah. it really becomes the party politics when you go up to the congressional line. And now when yeah. it comes to the state grants, um, we were pretty successful on getting things through, even being in a, a super minority. We got a lot of funds coming over into Shoots County, which um, having Jason and Tim, they were both, you know, all three of us, we did a really great job bringing those resources in the last couple of years. 
It felt like a big win for Centorg in this time. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, we had OSU money. We had COCC money. We had uh, the courthouse is going to get redone. Uh, sewer lines, canals are going to be piped. Um, sidewalks in Redmond, uh, homeless shelter, uh, the navigation center. Um, oh, the most recent one we I, we got was the $9.5 million for the core three project, which is about by the Redmond airport, which will be a training facility for firefighters. It's huge. It was huge. It was an absolutely huge pickup. 